We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson, and I'm joined tonight by my former SB Nation podcast boss, John Gennaro. Uh, you don't know who he is. That's okay. He's great. He is a longtime Mavs friend by pop, by proxy. He's actually the husband of former Mavs Moneyball editor, Rebecca Lawson. He is wonderful, and he is uh, watches a lot of basketball, despite the fact that he is a San Diego guy. John, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. Uh, if I was born and raised in San Diego, I probably wouldn't really care about the NBA, but I was born and raised in New Jersey uh, around the time that Drazen Petrovic was a thing. So mm. that, that was that was really where I I fell in love. I, I was at the game where like Shaq ripped down a whole like the whole basket and almost got hit in the head by the shot clock. Like my love of basketball came from there. Well, now you had to suffer through this horseshit Mavs game. Not even announce what happened because everybody who listened to this should know already. The Mavericks fell in overtime, one twenty to one fourteen. They fell primarily because Luka Doncic can't fucking pay attention, and the rest of the Mavericks can't hit shots. So I don't even know where to start with this one because it's one of the most infuriating games I've watched in a long time. Um, Luka shot thirty three times, scored forty points, shot four free throws, which. I'm very, very frustrated at Luka Doncic, but I can't say this clearly enough. Fuck those refs. They were trash cans. It was, I, I, I don't remember a game that had that many really dangerous non-calls in, in, a, in a really long time. Um, what do you think we should talk about first? <laughs> I, I was actually, I was going to ask if we should like try and find something positive to start with. I don't know if there is anything positive to start with, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was funny that in the second half, I think Luca had like two free throws in the second half. And during the free throws, you could very clearly see a huge scratch right across his throat. And like, like, it, and, and you're right. 
the refs were absolute trash, but about three minutes into the game, I think Lucas stopped caring about the game and just started caring about yep. like, I'm going to, I'm going to get these damn calls. And once he stopped caring about the game, it, it, everyone else just became as, as detached as him. Uh, and like a lot of his teammates became more focused on like trying to keep him from getting text which the refs didn't really want to call attack on him and 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 they finally gave in in, in overtime because he forced their hand but i saw so many players just like go like focused on going over grabbing him pulling him back trying to keep him in the game and uh yeah it, it's like they didn't think they had to focus or try to beat the thunder and that's what happens well, the, the, the real frustrating part about me is, and I'm just going to get some takes off, because I really, really, really enjoyed the Mavericks win streak, okay? Because you should enjoy the win streak. You should enjoy things when they're good. But few things frustrated me more than the really shit-tastically dumb takes about how Jason Kidd is an incredible coach, how we need to apologize, yada, yada, yada. They're at the same point that they were with Carlisle. So let me be clear to everybody here. When you have Luka Doncic and you have Kristaps Porzingis, that sets the floor for your team. And everything else after that is just a byproduct of figuring out how to make the pieces work in between. And what we saw tonight was that most of the pieces, meaning non-Jalen Brunson players, are not very good. Reggie Bullock actually had a pretty good game for once, so I don't want to kick him in the knees too much. But this was a game where it's the same guys missing the same shots. And I don't know what to do with that anymore. I'm so tired of watching it. Dorian was one of seven, including one of five from three. Maxi was four of nine. Okay, 10 rebounds, 42 minutes. They're grinding this guy into dust. Maxie's just not a guy who can play more than 25 minutes a game. And with Porzingis out, they're killing him. He was two of six from three, and he doesn't want to shoot. That much is just evident. He does not want to shoot. Jalen Brunson, for as good as he was tonight, mostly, he, he, he had six turnovers. That's horrendous. 0 for 4 from three, also really, really bad. I can't, you know, Brunson, if he's going to be a next level guy, if he's going to be the guy where they pay like CJ McCollum money or whatever the hell he wants, he has to hit a fucking three and he doesn't shoot enough of them. And when he does, he doesn't make them. I I just look two games in a row losing to to tanking teams indicates to me that this team needs to get to the all-star break one and two, as good as they were for a 15 game stretch, that is not as good as they are. Does that make any sense, John? Yeah, yeah. And and okay, so I I have like three points I want to make here. Um, one of them is the the Zach Lowe uh thing that he says all the time about like if, if you want to be competitive in the playoffs, you you really need to have two star players. And the, the best argument for building your team where you have three star players and a bunch of garbage is if one of them is hurt or one of them is out, you still have two star players. Right now, the Mavericks have two star players and one of them is out. And they they look like a completely different team without Porzingis. And Brunson is not that guy. This is my second point. I've always been confused by Jalen Brunson, right? There's not a lot of players in the NBA like Jalen Brunson. And I was like, what is this guy going to turn into? Is he going to make the leap? Is What's the next step with him? And I think I've decided, <clears throat> I'm a big comp guy. We're like, this guy looks like this guy. And therefore, they're going to have similar careers. But like, I feel really good about this comp. I have a comp for Jalen Brunson. Are you ready? Yes, let's go. Eric Bledsoe, 
That seems mean. Do you mean like it, early Eric Bledsoe before he turned into a pumpkin? Well, yeah, before his knees completely disappeared. But like, remember when Eric Bledsoe was on the Clippers, like people called him mini LeBron and like he, oh, and then yeah, he had he a beast. Yeah. Real and, then, strong. And, and then he had like one year where he shot about 40% from three and uh, it was like, oh, he's a, he's a superstar. And then somehow he ended up getting, you know, 17 million a year for, from the Suns, And then he became this like untradeable contract. The Bucks tried to turn him into a second superstar. That didn't work. Now he's, I don't know. I think he's back with the Clippers, but still on like a contract that nobody wants. Yeah, it's real bad. Mavs yeah. has wanted him desperately for a period of years because the many LeBron thing, I mean, he's an athletic specimen, but he just wasn't able to really translate it to consistent basketball success. So I don't like the production comp, but like the, the, there's just an element of body type with Brunson where he has not like length just shuts him down more often than it doesn't. And like six turnovers tonight, like he, he got them back in the game in the fourth. All right. That's gotta be said, got them really back into the game. And then just promptly along with lots of other Mavericks proceeded to shit the bed, the final six minutes, this team is horrendous. Well, and that's much time. That's always that's always been the the Bledsoe thing, right? Is like in a regular season game against like a bad competition, like he's going to give you great numbers, but put him against a, a good team with good talent and length, and, and in the playoffs, and he's not going to give you anything. And that's why his value tanked when he was making all that money. Like, um, it's we don't need to get in a whole conversation about whether or not they should be paying Jalen Brunson twenty million dollars a year. I really want to talk about Dort because I feel like Dort put Luca and anyone else that came near Luca in hell. Like it's been a long time since I've seen Luca just chuck a shot from 40 feet because he didn't feel like dealing with the defender in front of him. Like there was points in which he was literally losing his confidence while scoring. What did he score? 38, um, 40 while scoring 40. There was periods of the game where he was literally like trying to avoid Dort. And when Dort got in front of him, he was just like, I'm just going to chuck it up and hope that someone get a rebound because I can't get past this guy. I can't get a shot off on him. Well, because they and, weren't call- I mean, like, this is where I get it. They were not calling fouls on the Thunder. Also true. The Thunder and, had, had and 16 Dort, Dort fouls. Dort was killing people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Mavericks shot 10 free throws to the Thunder 25. Now, some <laughs> of that gets a little bumped up in the final minutes of overtime where they're trying to, to deal with some things. Yeah. So I'm, like, looking at it here, whereas four... I mean, they they shot four, they shot six free throws in the final sixteen. So it's really like a, a ten to nineteen advantage, not a ten to twenty five advantage. But it was it was pretty. Like I, I don't like talking about the rest because I don't think that was it. And I think Luca made his bet early. Um, it was, but it was still very like. I I watched. I actually watched. A, I don't know if you saw that I wrote about this, but I went to a Thunder game with the Mavericks two weeks ago, and I got to sit like front row and like Dort is incredibly strong he's a great defender he's sort of he's sort of like what I would consider one of like the the actual ideal backcourt mates for Luca just because yeah. he does a lot of the stuff that Luca doesn't do yeah I I I, I totally agree with that um and I, I I thought it was funny um actually no before I get to this you made the point that they're gra- they're grinding Maxi into dust, and I I think it deserves to be said about Dorian too. And I think this is like kind of a a a thing about his whole career to this point, and he's only getting older. Is that as the season goes on, he just seems to get worse and worse. And then was it last year that he like had the kid, and then he came back and he was great for a while? Dorian, oh the- god, yeah, he was like forty five percent from three for like six weeks. Right, but that was because he like he got a couple nights off, like he got some rest. I I think 
I mean, he plays 40 plus minutes. It seems like every single game and they're really hard 40 minutes that he plays. He's getting grounded to dust too. So like when he goes one for seven, like it's really easy to be like, Oh, Dorian's just going to do that. But like the other side of it is I just think that guy is toast. Like, I think he's, he's completely exhausted. I made the point to you that it, it looked like the Mavs were not trying as hard as the thunder, but I think the guys that were out there, they're just, they're a little bit older. Maxie's a little bit older. Dorian's a little bit older. Like you said, they're getting, they're getting ground into dust. Um, you know, Bullock is not the youngest of guys, although he hasn't played a bunch of minutes this year. And so, and, and the Thunder team was just, they were full effort, full energy. Like it, it was, it was actually really cool to see a team play that hard the whole game and be like fundamentally sound. And like, that's a team that has, you know, not a lot of talent on the team, but they were just like, they were the opposite of the Mavericks of the last couple of years when like they walked into a game knowing they were overmatched and they were like, we're just going to give it our all anyway. Like that was really refreshing and cool to see, but I, I kind of want to focus on the, uh, the last two plays of uh, regulation. Cause the first one, Luca got the ball. Everyone knew where he was going. We all knew he was going to his spot on the left side to shoot the three. And the thunder sent three guys to the spot <laughs> and they were just like, you're not going to get there. And it ended up being a Reggie Bullock three that had to bounce around and go in, but it went in. And then the next time down, it was like, okay, well he's going to go to the spot. He's going to pass. Someone's going to get an open three. And instead, they just put Dort on him, and they were like, "Let's see if you can beat this guy one on one." They didn't. They sent no help at all. It was just one on one, Luca versus Dort, and yeah, with you know the refs in Dort's pocket too. But uh, and and he misses it, and they go into overtime. But I, I thought that that was really really interesting that everyone knows that play is coming, and there's basically two ways you can defend it, and it's whether or not you want to deal with Luca getting the shot or someone else getting a wide open shot. Yeah. Well. What's it's really interesting if you pull up the box score to this game. I don't know if you have it up, but I do. There, <laughs> there are five players who played 38 plus minutes. Bullock played 38 minutes off the bench. They quickly figured out that Dwight Powell cannot play in this game. So he had four fouls in 13 minutes. Everybody else, like they're playing like a playoff uh, rotation. Marquise yep. Chris, um, I don't know how to tell. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna say this, guys. I know some of y'all really like Marquise Chris because he's a former first rounder. There's just enough reasons why he wasn't on an NBA team. He might be a fringe rotation NBA player. He is not a rotation NBA player right now. I want the Mavericks to get as much as they can from him. But what we're really looking at is when the Mavericks don't have Chris Tapps for Zingas, who is a house, who is a human house of cards, the, all of a sudden they're basically like, like stuck with a bunch of overmatched big men who are not bad. Dorian Powell, uh chris all these guys they're not bad they're not starters yes they are seventh and eighth men not fifth and sixth men and this is the same discussion you've heard us have for years john where it's oh oh what do you mean the bad player didn't play well enough like i I feel bad crushing some of these guys like i don't i don't like being mean to maxi i i like maxi when he's in a limited role but they're just they're they're expecting too much of him and it's the same thing every year. And I just, I, I'm very tired of, of this sort of thing. If they had lost, if they hadn't lost to the Magic, I don't know if I would be this mad. But when you lose to two lottery yeah. mountain teams in a row, particularly with two days rest, that says to me that you don't know who you are as a team quite so much as you thought they did. 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, plus and minus has, uh, you know, everyone listening to this podcast knows that that's like a, a stat, not necessarily a useful stat, but like Luca was minus 17 in this game. Sure. Josh Giddy was on defense. Josh Giddy was plus 16 and Dort was plus 15. Um, you know, that it, and, and honestly, like the part about the game where I felt like the offense was maybe the most crisp, everything else felt like Luca getting double teamed and passing to guys who didn't want to shoot and then would shoot bad shots. The, the part of the offense that felt good to me was, uh, and I think it was in the second quarter, maybe it was in the first, because I think it was maybe the first time Reggie Bullock came in. Um, it was Luca with Bullock, Chris, Nilakina, and Green. It was basically the bench unit with Luca. And that unit felt good because everyone was flying around and they were like ready for Luca passes. And there's like athleticism there with Frank and, and Josh Green and even Chris a little bit. So like they had to defend the alley-oops and they had to defend the blow-bys. And um, it was really the only part of the game where I felt like the the Mavericks offense looked like the Thunder offense, which was like moving the ball real crisp and finding the open shooter. Uh, and not this thing where it's just like Luca is just going to like back someone down, wait for the double team to come and pass to someone who doesn't want to shoot. Well, here's the thing that vexes me to no end. And Luca is so blunt in post game stuff where he will never blame other people. He will always take it on the chin. It's the biggest difference between him and Chris Stepps for Zingas, who is like the smarmy asshole of the friend group who always gets away with bullshit because he's handsome. Luca just said in, in post game, by far my worst defensive game of the season. Oh, the no the, uh, the layup at the end was totally his fault. His and fault. The, the camera caught him afterwards, like literally punching himself in the face because he was so angry because he knew it was his fault. But like, it wasn't just that play. He was bad. Yeah. And he has to like... There's an accountability problem with the Mavericks. And yeah. it's not Jason Kidd's fault as much as I like to kick that guy. They don't have the veteran that can tell Luca to shut the fuck up. Yeah, and this is they, why they, this is why you you've been talking about this. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I'm I'm on board with the like get Goran Dragic because he's the one guy who will like go go to Luca or anybody else and be like, get your shit together. Like show up earlier, work out more. Like your your passes are lazy. Like some of their passes are lazy. It's crazy because they don't, you know, I, I, I just don't understand how, how as a front office, you can look at this sort of stuff and say, well, this is just going to be fine. Now the coaching staff of this team. So kid extended, including kid has actually done a really fine job this year. I really like what they've done. I like being, you know, I like how communicative they are, but at the, at a certain point it is on these guys as professionals to take this sort of stuff upon themselves. And they got right up next to the fourth seed and they have shit themselves twice. And these are the games which make a difference as you're marching to the playoffs. There's not enough games left to be losing because they're playing the Sixers on Friday. The Sixers just lost to the Wizards. Joel Embiid is going to murder the Mavericks. Yep. They have yeah, I mean, no one that can even come close to bothering Joel. Well, you know what we're going to get then. Where it's the worst of all. We're going to get Joel Embiid and after 6 minutes where Joel has 25 points <laughs> and, and 50 rebounds, they're going to roll out Boban and be like, "Here, this is the only solution we have is several minutes of Boban before he runs out of gas for another month." Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. 
I mean, I'm not, uh, there was just so many like little things about this game where just, they all add up and you know, they've had enough escape games. That's kind of the quiet part about their January contest, where if you scroll through and look at some of the games they had, they escaped the thunder. The last time they played the fact that the thunder beat them was not, not shocking. The thunder play the Mavericks. Well, they play hard Orlando, you know, it, these sort of games, like the Mavis had won a lot of 50-50 games in the last probably like December 15th on sort of, you know, in the middle of their COVID spike, that some of these things are just like, okay, you throw your hands up in the air. But I, I still find myself very frustrated because I only have, you know, it's like I'm watching this game, I'm, I'm scrolling on my phone, I don't have to write tonight, so I'm not like paying as close of attention. And then all of a sudden it's 51-51 at halftime. And then all of a sudden it's overtime. And the you know, the, the lack, like the terrible rebounding. I mean, the Mavericks had 39 total rebounds. The Thunder had 50. Like they got walloped on the offensive glass relative to, to what, you know, the, the Thunder took, um, man, I don't even know how this is possible. The, the Thunder took 86 field goals. The Mavericks took 98 field goals. I don't know how that's possible either. I need to understand this. I'm gonna have to look at this after the game, but man, and they had the, and they, they, and they had the same number of offensive rebounds, pretty much like 13 to 14. But in the first half, it was bad. So, man, yeah, and and like I, I think Josh always calls these guys uh, Mavericks All Stars, but like, who the hell is like Trey Mann, and how is he putting up 30? It's like, rookie. is the Thunder do this wild thing where they value the draft and then they? <laughs> You know, like, it's fine. I, this gives me a great intro to talk about somebody who I wanted to talk about. Josh Green, not good at basketball. No, it was right a bad now. game. Bad game fine. for him. Yeah. He finished with the plus two. But he serves no function when he's on the floor. Is really what it comes down to. Like, five points, four assists, two rebounds. People who think he's a Dorian Finney-Smith replacement, I don't know what you think you're watching. Now, Josh Green could still be something. But relative to the younger players on the Thunder, Mann, for example, Wiggins, Giddy, he is not a normal basketball player. You know, I don't know. This was a maddening game for me. Kirk, uh, you you've probably you've played enough basketball and watched enough basketball that like you can tell like when a player is is young and they're bad because they're young, but you can still see that like they want to make the right decision. They're just getting there like half a second too late because they're playing with a bunch of robot supercomputers that make decisions faster than are possible on a, sure. an actual basketball court. Like I watch Josh Giddy, man, that guy makes so many good decisions during a game. So yep. many, and like no bad ones. Josh green makes all of the bad decisions. And then uh, when he gets the the ball in the corner, and like freaks out and thinks he has to rush the shot with nobody yep. around him and, and throws the ball where like literally the breeze from the ball doesn't even get to the net. Cause it's so far away of an air ball. And then you just see him like mentally like melt down. Like yep. Josh green is a, a, a physical physically. He's, he's better than Dorian Finney Smith. He's not as long, but he's like an he's incredible like, athlete. He's an incredible athlete, but like, it's almost the Willie Colley Stein thing where it's like, it doesn't matter if he can do incredible athletic things if he's making the wrong decision all the time. And it, it I mean, just, it, yeah. Go I'm ahead. not sure if he makes the wrong decision, but have, you know, he's a guy who very clearly hasn't played enough basketball. And yeah. so what he does is he makes unorthodox decisions. 
And it's sometimes it's really cool, but a lot of the time it's like, what? So like there was one play where he drove in and made a one-handed offhand bounce pass to a cutter. I think it was Marquise Chris of all people for a score where it was like, holy shit. He made that pass. And then he takes a corner three, which overshoots the rim by a foot and a half. And <laughs> I mean, is that like, do you, you remember what shot that I'm talking about? Like, it, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't even close. Like, and I'm just like, how is this the same player who had that level of touch precision and understanding to make the bounce pass? Yeah. Because that's the stuff that blows my mind. And anybody that's ever even remotely played any level of basketball, if you make a kind of like bounce pass on the move, it has the potential to be disastrous. And Green just has like really interesting touch. So I, I, I don't know. I feel bad for the guy because when you run him up against his peers, he's just not good. That doesn't mean he can't be good. It means he's not good now. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. And, and this is why it's frustrating because they desperately need him. Like the, the, the only way they're going to get, you know, Finney Smith and Maxi and, and even Dwight Powell, even though he played 13 minutes in this game, like the only way you're going to get those guys playing 25 to 30 minutes a game, as opposed to 40 plus minutes a game is for Josh green to take some of those minutes away. And I think they keep trying and I think they, they, they want to give him, you know, a, a long rope. And I think there's just a point in which they're like, no, this is uh we've we've reached the point of diminishing returns. He's been in there for 16 minutes and he's like mentally melting down. Eh, I'm not sure because you know you, you get um who is it here? Frank Nilkeen only played 11 minutes and whatever they're seeing from Frank, they're not happy with. That that's surprising to me cuz he yeah. seems fine like his his defensive rotations are good. He's a pretty good on the ball defender. He he can handle the ball a little bit. I, he's not much of a passer, but like he's the guy that it feels like when he gets the open threes lately, he's knocking them down. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they don't. It's not that I love Frank. I don't think he should be in the starting lineup or anything. But I don't understand the the not appreciating him for the positive impact he seems to be having lately. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, this sort of where, where you look at the rest of the roster, it starts to become a question of, okay, maybe this team just doesn't have enough guys now. Yeah. You've heard us bitch about that for a month or for t- two years, years depending yeah. on your point of view. So, um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's never not true. Uh, but, you know, they just got beat by a team who I mean, played Mike Muscala for 20 minutes, who I thought was retired two years ago. Like, it's, they they didn't need to be that good to beat the Thunder. Like, I think they actually had enough talent tonight to beat the Thunder. I think the problem was... They're more talented than the energy. Thunder. Yeah, yeah, which... The Thunder again, don't like, have Shea you know, Gillies or Alexander. Like, what are you doing? This is an awful loss. They didn't even play Derek Favors, like, a single minute. Um, not that Derek Favors is great, but yeah. No, this but is, he's, he's a functional center. Let's put it this way. Like, you look at those rosters, and anyone would tell you the Thunder were trying to lose this game. And, yes. and, the, and, and the Mavericks were trying to, to win it, and somehow they lost by six. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. God, man. Okay, so our man Josh, he is actually closer to you than he is to me. He uh, he had a, a, a hilarious vacation pop-up that he had to take. And so he's not going to be here 
through the rest of the weekend. I think you and maybe your wife will join us for Friday's game. Um, is that okay with you? Would you like to come back? I would love to come back. Uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, we we have one of those weeks where like our kids' preschool is closed because of COVID. So we'll see if my wife can make it to Friday. Mm. Uh, but we, uh, I, I'll I'll definitely be watching the game, and I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll be in a mood to talk about uh, Joel Embiid. You know, taking someone and literally stuffing them in the basket. Because <laughs> um, that's like if that doesn't happen, I'll just be shocked. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, my son is home with me for the next two days because it, there it, it's raining right now and it ostensibly may turn to ice overnight. So I understand why they're closing Dallas schools tomorrow, but they also were closing Dallas schools for Friday. And I am displeased at the concept of doing it two days out. I tweeted that notion and many people told me to fuck right off. Um, free country. I get it. But Folks, it was 70 degrees here today, so if there's not anything on the ground on Friday, I'm going to be displeased because I parented at home with a four-year-old for a year. I am not mentally able to do that anymore. (laughs) So maybe by Friday night, I will be a total Looney Tune. We'll see. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, John. This has been Kirk Henderson and John Gennaro. Uh, Follow MavsMoneyBall.com. Uh, you know, like and subscribe to the podcast. Send me feedback. Tell me I suck. I answer most DMs as long as you're not a total douche hat. Uh, also, be sure to uh, sign up and follow me on Spotify Green Room, where we have a great time after most games. Tonight's going to be a real spicy one. So be sure to look for that one tomorrow afternoon. So I guess probably Thursday afternoon by the time your drive goes home. Thank you so much, John. And we will talk to you in a couple of days. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.